Tonight's episode of Midnight Tea is brought to you in part by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free app or go to anchor.fm to get started. fellow goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nil, and welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. And to all my listeners, I owe you guys a very serious apology. Uh, As you know, this episode is coming out a day late and is being released Saturday into Sunday, January 15th into the 16th at midnight. And that is simply because I went to see Scream 5 last night. And so I did that because, unfortunately, my schedule only allowed me to finally go see the movie at roughly 11 o'clock last night. And there was no way I was going to release this episode without getting to do a review of Scream, or Scream 5, which we will talk about a little later in the episode. And... Yeah, so I do apologize for that, my listeners. You guys have definitely been steady and holding down the fort and (laughs) listening to all these episodes while I've been absent. So thank you so much. And don't think it didn't go unnoticed. I definitely did notice. But other than that, how are you guys? I hope you all had a fantastic new year. You were as safe as you possibly could be with the current variants of COVID running around. And if you're like me, you shed a tear for quite a few people that we had lost between the last episode and now. Namely, we lost our queen, Betty White, on the last day of 2021, which is the most severe knife twist we could have for ending, in my humblest of opinion, just a meh year. We had also lost Cindy... Wow, I'm so sorry. We lost Sydney Pointier, the single, the first black man to ever win an Oscar and and destroyed the color barrier that Hollywood has in casting black actors. He also died on January 7th. So along with losing our Betty White, please light a candle for Sydney Pointier. And then, of course, we lost Bob Saget, which... That didn't feel any better either, you know? I mean, name a millennial from my generation who didn't grow up with Full House or watching the original America's Funniest Home Videos where he was hosting. And though he had had his ups and downs, as you know, as any person does, still didn't make his death any less impactful. So light a candle in remembrance of these three great celebrities that we had lost and yeah, I, I don't know how, what other way to end that segment other than this was this was rough. Then, of course, if you were like me living in Los Angeles um, with COVID running amok, and that hasn't been better. Crime rate out here has been insane. And if, like I said, if you live in Southern California, more particularly L.A., you know exactly what I'm talking about and 
you're wondering when is LA going to be safe again? And the, the, the question is, the answer really is who knows, you know, as a matter of LAPD and law enforcement stepping it up a notch to protect its civilians. And then, of course, the scare this morning that we are currently under a tsunami watch because of a volcano eruption off the island of Tonga. So, yeah, LA's feeling a little apocalyptic right now, um, though we, we do have rain and such. I do apologize if you hear dogs barking. Um, my apartment has dogs. Not my apartment, but my apartment building. In any case... I hope all of you out there are remaining safe. You know, please be vigilant of the surroundings you you have, the surroundings you are in, even if you don't live in L.A., even if you don't live in California, even if you don't live in this country. Just be very vigilant. Always be safe. You know, times are incredibly tough right now. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart that I hope each and every one of my listeners is 100% safe. Now, we have a bit of an episode for you, so let's go ahead and jump right on into it. And as usual, I need to put out my disclaimer in that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media, and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener, discretion advised. All right, guys, so we're going to start off this episode with the coup de grace. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. The reason this episode is late to start with, and that is going to be my review of Scream 2022, also known as Scream 5. It is the fifth movie in the Scream franchise. Um, As far as I know, it is not canonical or canon to the Scream TV series that was on MTV and apparently made its way onto VH1. Go figure. So before I get into it, I promised myself and you guys, if you follow my TikTok at all, which is Morningstar Moonchild, I said that I was going to give a spoiler-free review, and for the most part, I'm going to keep that promise. There will be no major spoilers in this movie, as I'm going to try my damnedest to adhere to the two-week rule of keeping things spoiler-free. That being said, in the next two weeks, your girl's going to talk about it. But for the sake of this review, no, there will be no major spoilers, nothing that I feel will Nothing I feel that I will say will be indicative of the plot and therefore won't won't harm your enjoyment of the movie if you have not seen it yet. But yes, Scream 5, or just Scream 2022, was released in theaters on January 14th, yesterday, two days ago, if you will. And first off, I'm going to start off by saying it was great. It was a really, really good movie. And also, by the end of this, I'm going to rank all five Scream movies, not counting the TV series, because I have not watched it all the way through. I think I stopped only at the end of season one, and I don't even remember it, because I watched it when it first aired. Um, So, one thing I will... Not really a spoiler, but I'll say this much. um, You don't have to stay at the end of the credits. There's no post-credit scene for Scream 5, which I'm just going to call it that for simplicity. Um, no, there is no spoiler. There's no <laughs> spoiler. There is no post credit scene for Scream 5. So once the credits roll, you're free to go. But yeah, so let's get into it plot wise without, like I said, just a quick summary synopsis with no spoilers. And the trailer pretty much says it all. 
the killings have started up again in Westboro. And a girl is attacked in the same way Casey Decker was in the first movie. Um, and so now the girl's sister is, who was living outside of Westboro, you know, kind of living that teenage dream, working a little job, um, with her boyfriend, decides to come back to Westboro and solve the great mystery of why is Ghostface reappearing again. In this, we meet a new crop of friends and characters that are going to be potential victims, with also enlisting the help of the original characters, such as Sidney Prescott, played again by Nev Campbell, um, Gil Weathers, played by Courtney Cox again, and of course, Sergeant Dewey, now, and still played by David Arquette. So, with that in mind, I feel like there's a lot of great nods to the first four movies in it. Um, like the police sergeant in Scream 4, or the police deputy in Scream 4, I forget her name. Just It just escaped me right now. She makes a reappearance as well, same actress. Um, and there's also a lot of nods to other horror movies in, um, in the movie, which I'll keep in mind I've only watched it once. I've only seen it once so far. And I'm trying to give you the freshest reaccount of everything I saw. But there's nods to other horror movies pretty apparent. Like there's one character that shows up in the first act who has a Jason Voorhees tattoo. Um, there's also a nod to um, Freddy Krueger where you pass by a sign that says Elm Street. Like little things. Like if you don't look, you'll you'll miss them completely. And also want to give a great shout out to James A. Janice and his, I believe at this point now, it's his wife, Chelsea, for getting to make a cameo in Scream 5. Um, if you're not familiar, I've definitely mentioned them a few times in my podcast. James A. Janice kind of, well, I say is because he is, but he's he's currently taking a break. The host of a YouTube channel called Dead Meat, which is a fantastic way to get some really funny, hilarious commentary on some of your favorite horror movies. And he does something called The Kill Count, where he tallies, to use his slogan, he tallies up victims in all his fa- in all your favorite horror movies. In which, in previous accounts, he has done all four of the Scream movies up until this one. So, yeah, it's a fantastic thing to see one of my favorite YouTubers on Scream 5. And... Granted, I don't think their channel name is actually said in the episode or in the movie. Uh, I don't think they use their his actual channel, but it's still cool to see him and his wife there nonetheless. Which the scene in the movie does look like it's um, a video of their of their video footage of their podcast, which is fantastic. He also makes a mention. This is a small, not really a spoiler, but. This is kind of something that was always kind of written in in the stars was in that segment with James A. Janice and his wife Chelsea, they make reference to the fact that a character named Kirby is still alive, which was a character from Scream 4. And Scream 4 is where I'll get, if I talk of any of the previous Scream movies, there will be spoilers because those have been out for a while. Um, With Scream uh, 4 having been released in 2011. So it's been already 11 years. You had your chance. But Kirby was, in my opinion, 
the best character in the entire franchise outside of Sidney Prescott. Well, outside of the main three. Um, The character of Kirby was played by Hayden Panettiere. If you might remember her from the show Heroes on NBC. I apologize for the sound of the ambulance. It's a busy day today. (laughs) But Kirby was a character who was played so expertly by Hayden Panettiere. She was easily my favorite character. She made all the smart decisions. She was smart as shit. She was, everything about her was 100% lovable. And if you've watched Scream 4, you know that her character was stabbed to death by Charlie, who was an accomplice. Again, sorry about the ambulance, guys. It's, it's been a crazy day. Um who was stabbed by Charlie, who was an accomplice to Jill, who was our, our two ghost faces of Scream 4. And because of the untimely death of Wes Craven around the time this movie was released, it was actually his decision of whether or not Kirby would have lived. In an original drafts of the script, Kirby was supposed to live, but we all assume she's dead because of, of what happened. But in the commentary of James A. Janice's podcast in the movie Scream 5, we find out she lives, which is phenomenal news because I would love to see this character come back if there was ever to be a Scream 6. That is not a spoiler or an indication of anything since COVID-19 has slowed down a lot of our hopes and dreams for more movies. I'm just saying if there ever is a possibility that they're going to continue the franchise, I would love to see Kirby again. Because she was my favorite. But onwards. um, No, this movie is also incredibly gory. I mean, progressively as the Scream movies have been going, have been going on, their, their aptitude for gore and violence gets higher and higher. I was actually deeply surprised in how gory Scream 4 was. And then Scream 5 just kicked that shit in the teeth. Because some of the kills in this movie, I dare say, made me like kind of flinch a little. And this is even me, who I consider myself a very seasoned horror fanatic, was, I was impressed. They didn't, they really didn't pull any punches on this. They, they went in. They, they did that shit. I've even dare said it the minute I came out of the movie theaters. I simply said, Scream 5 has balls. And that they do. Um, So yeah, um, not only that, a lot of characters you don't expect to die do. Um, Again, not going to say who it is. That's massive spoiler territory that I'm not going to go into. But take those two things I said to heart. That this movie has balls. And characters that you wouldn't expect to die might die. Um, And yeah, just some of the other reveals. I mean, some that have been released in the trailer that shouldn't even come as news or a surprise to you do happen. Like the reveal that we do end up back at Stumacher's house. um, Who was the killer, one of the original ghost faces from the first Scream. Um, Again, everybody who was part of the original cast from 1996 do come back and they don't ignore to some degree the events that happened in Scream 2 and 3 which 
people like me would arguably say two and three were the worst, the worst of the Scream franchises. So that being said, guys, I think that's about as far as I can really go without giving you too much of a spoiler into where this movie goes. Um, Understand for me, I mean, critics have praised this movie so hard and I can understand why. But me personally, I think it's great. I just don't think it's, oh my God, phenomenal. I would definitely give this movie a solid 8 out of 10 for being as good as it is. I would actually almost tie this movie for first place in my own personal Scream ranking. Now, that doesn't mean that mine is the end-all be-all of of rankings for these movies. You know, you're all entitled to your own opinion. You might, your list might differ from mine, and that's completely cool. But in my personal ranking, Scream 3 is the worst. Scream 3 is fucking awful. Next, I would put Scream 2. Next would be Scream 4 in the top three. And then, yeah, tying for first and second would be Scream 5 and 1. Just because they were really well done and well crafted. And I know a lot of people had trepidation about this movie coming out because this would be the first one that had no influence by Wes Craven. And I understand that because this is his baby. Nightmare on Elm Street is his baby. Scream is his baby. You know, he's done other movies and not as as big or phenomenal as A Nightmare on Elm Street or Scream. But, you know, these movies were still phenomenal. And it's hard to picture doing one without Wes Craven, West Craven's influence in them. So a lot of people didn't even think this movie was going to exist because of his passing. And sure enough, we got this movie and it's actually really, really good. And it's done 100% in the same vein, the same motif that Wes Craven would have done had he still been with us today. So am I... So my recommendation, go see it in theaters. It's definitely worth it, especially for the whodunit aspect. Because that's that's the main thing these movies are about. Being incredibly meta, being incredibly violent, and finding out who the killer is. And I think that alone makes it worth, an, worth it enough to go see it for the price of admission. Especially since it's very rare that we get a horror movie that the critics say they love. You know, it's very rare very very rare that critics ever say a horror movie is groundbreaking phenomenal and i'm not talking about our usual horror um like horror channels or horror fanatics like bloody disgusting dread central etc that you know they're always going to have a fairly higher opinion of horror movies because they live and breathe horror i'm talking about mainstream media actually saying this is good that's rare that's very very rare um So with that in mind, yes, I say go see it in theaters at least once for the whodunit, for the gore, you know, for seeing some old familiar faces from the original franchise come back and make an appearance because it's really, really enjoyable. And yeah, I'm going to leave you guys with that. So I hope I have encouraged you to go see Scream 5 or Scream 2022 in theaters. It was worth the price of admission worth getting this podcast episode out a day late please don't come for me i'm very sorry about that and yeah go grab your favorite ghost face 
uh, t-shirt. I have a very cute one of him being very kawaii saying, you like scary movies too? And I love this shirt. It was from Hot Topic. It's super, super adorable. And I know, hell, I even saw a really good uh, Ghostface t-shirt at Walmart of all places that actually outlined Jamie Kennedy's rules for surviving a horror film. It didn't have Ghostface on it. It didn't have the hunter knife he uses. It just says, number one, you can't have sex. Number two, um, number two, don't do any drugs. And number three, under any circumstances, never say, I'll be right back. And I thought that shirt was so cool. I kind of wish I picked it up, but it was not to be. But anyway, that is my review of Scream 5. Hopefully that influences your thoughts of maybe wanting to go see this in theaters and continue to enjoy the legacy that is Ghostface. And definitely don't skip out at the end of the credits when the title credit card says for Wes. It's very touching. All right, guys, so let's keep that horror train going. Our next topic comes to us from Deadline.com, in which the headline reads... New Line HBO Max movie Final Destination 6 adds John Watts as producer. Now, guys, for a long time now, we've been hearing rumors that we were going to get a Final Destination 6. I personally am shocked that they want to continue this franchise since at this point, unfortunately, similar to Scream, it's very formulaic. If you are not familiar with the Final Destination franchise, simply put... A teenager has a premonition of an upcoming death, in in which case the first movie was about an airline or a plane that was going to have a horrific accident in the sky. The second one was about a oh, the second one was about a pileup that starts on a highway lane with one of those long trucks that carry very long wooden logs. We've all had that fear. We all remember this fear. Um, the third one was about a roller coaster that's going to malfunction and people were going to die. And in which case, when these teenagers have these premonitions, they encourage others to survive the unpending and horrible accident, in which case death starts to come for them one by one in the order they were supposed to die in the premonition. That is literally the entire plot of the first five Final Destination movies. So with that being said... Is there really a need for a Final Destination 6? Anyway, let's go ahead and read the, ed- the, the article from Deadline in which it says, In the wake of his $1.5 billion grossing Sony Marvel Cinematic Universe sequel Spider-Man No Way Home, filmmaker John Watts is boarding New Line's Final Destination 6 as a producer. Lori Evans-Taylor and Guy Busick are writing the screenplay from a story by Watts based on his treatment. The sixth goal is destined for HBO Max. The Final Destination movies are unique in the horror genre as their antagonist isn't a physical being, but death personified. The original producer of the previous five Final Destination movies, Craig Perry, is also returning with Sheila Hanahan, with Sheila Hanahan Taylor. In addition to Watts, Daniel McGinnigill also joins the producing team. In total, the horror franchise is minted at $700 million worldwide. 
making it New Line's third biggest horror franchise behind the two billion Conjuring universe and the It movie franchises, which grossed over one billion. Both Diane and I have been massive fans of Final Destination from the very beginning, Watts said in a statement this morning. Quote, So to be able to have a hand in crafting a new story with the original team and New Line is going to be both fun and exciting. End quote. John and Diane's passion for the series is only matched by how much fun they have they are to work with, beamed Perry. Quote, Sheila and I couldn't be more excited to have their creative energy driving this latest installment in the Final Destination franchise with New Line. With Guy and Lori's inspired execution of John's original idea, we have a movie that audiences are going to love, end quote. Perry's first job in the film industry was in New Line Cinema Mailroom in 1991. Watts' last three MCU Spider-Man movies count a running global cum of $3.5 billion. No Way Home stands as the eighth highest grossing movie at the global box office of all time, while its domestic take of $668.3 million currently puts the sequel as the sixth highest grossing title in at the domestic box office. Spider-Man No Way Home landed the second highest domestic opening in history and handedly passed the $1 billion worldwide in a little more than a week, topping the domestic weekend box office for the last four weeks running. Weekends running. Buick's, Busick's next movie as a screenwriter is Paramount Spyglass's Destinations Scream, which is eyeing number one com- this coming weekend with the last at, tw- at tw- uh, 20 million over the four-day Martin Luther King holiday. New Line's upcoming horrors include a feature take on Stephen King's Salem Lot on the big screen in early September and Evil Dead Rise on HBO Max. So guys, that's going to basically sum up this article, which you are free to read on Deadline.com with again the headline reading, reading New Line HBO Max Movie Final Destination 6 adds John Watts as producer. So yeah, there, there are a few more horror movies hopefully within this year that are going to be coming forward. Um, with Salem's Lot, I heard there was a rumor that they were going to also do another version of Stephen King's Firestarter, which... Uh, starred a very young Drew Barrymore. As I notice, this kind of comes back to her since even the first scream involved Drew Barrymore. What a queen, right? But like I said, the movies have been so formulaic. It's like we're basically just looking for new ways to mangle human beings for the sake of Final Destination 6. And we're all a little gross and sick because of this. Especially me who saw the last two Final Destination films uh, FD4 and FD5 in 3D. Because, you know, seeing blood and guts and just regular 2D is not enough, is it? But I am excited and interested to kind of see where these are going to go. Um, as you know, I'm I'm not biased when it comes to horror. I, I will always be honest of I think it's awful or I think it's good. I'm not, I'm I'm a bit of a contrarian in that way where I don't, I'm not going to romanticize a movie just because the critics gave it such high praise or this, that, or the other. I will inform my own opinion. Um, 
But yeah, with Final Destination, they're fun in the moment, but the rewatchability of them is I don't know. It take it, you know, with horror it's always like that. Like once you've seen it more than once, you've already taken out the thrill of the jump scare or when is the killer going to get this character as I stare at final De- my final destination collection sitting on my movie shelf right now. Go figure. But nonetheless, um I I pride myself on being a horror enthusiast and even if the movie has been seen six million times, I know every line that these characters are going to say. I'm still here for it. So let's look forward to the promise that Final Destination 6 will be interesting. There's no word on when pre-production will start or filming or principal photography. But the sooner there is any more information on it, I will happily add it into an episode. And with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but we will return right after a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, welcome back. So this next segment comes to us from uh, Fangoria's Instagram, in which they tell us about the new horror movies that came to streaming in January 2022. And we got a doozy of a list for you. So let's go ahead and get started with Shudder. New movies that came to Shudder in January is Allison's Birthday, Beyond the Dream Door, Blood for Dracula, Blood on Satan's Claw, Boris Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster, The Child, Clear Cut, Datra, Dark August, A Discovery of Witches, Season 3, Dream No Evil, Edge of the Knife, Etheria, Season 3, Eve's Bayou, Eyes of Fire, Fatal Exam, Flesh for Frankenstein, For the Sake of Vicious, El Demonio, Lake Mungo, Lake of the Dead, The Last Manatee, The Last Thing Mary Saw, Lokis, Lepichka, Malas... Sorry, I'm going to have to repeat that one. Malatesta, Carnival of Blood, The Premonition, Sinister, Tilbury, The Wicker Man, 1973, Wills Sixia, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Winter Beast, The Witch Who Came From the Sea, Witchfinder General, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, A History of Folk Horror. New coming, new coming to streaming in January 2022 on Amazon Prime, Alien vs. Predator Requiem, Deadly Detention, Predator, Sinister, and The Village. Coming to Hulu, The Collection, Fire in the Sky, The Haunting, 1999, Jacob's Ladder, 1990, Mechanist, Panic Room, Paranormal Activity 3, Prophecy, Red Eye, Red Riding Hood, Resident Evil, and Seven. New horror coming to Netflix, All of Us Are Dead, Godzilla, 1998, Gremlins, I Know What You Did Last Summer, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, Interview with the Vampire, The Lost Boys, Paranormal Activity, Stand By Me, and The Wasteland. New horror coming to Tubi, Aliens, American Psycho 2, The Crazies 2010, The Exorcist, The Fly 1986, Ghost Ship 2002, Jacob's Ladder 2019, Joyride, The Omen, or the, oh, sorry, The Omen 2006, The Sixth Sense, and Unborn. New horror coming to Arrow, Bloodbath at the House of Death, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, 
Cold Eyes of Fear, Cradle of Fear, The Day of the Beast, Deadly Games, The Devil's Nightmare, Helga She-Wolf of Stilberg, Hotel Poseidon, Inseminoid, The Mangler, Predita Durango, The Prey, Red Angel, Shock, Terror, and Vampira. New horror streaming coming to HBO Max, Annabelle Comes Home, Amityville 3D, Amityville 2, The Possession, The Curse of La Llorona, The Dark Crystal, The Exorcist, The Faculty, Godzilla, King of the Monsters 2019, Gremlins 2, The New Batch, Here Comes the Devil, It Chapter 2, John Dies at the End, King Kong 1933, Kong Skull Island, Mimics 1, 2, and 3, Sentinel, The Nun, The Shining, Son of Kong, and Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. New horror streaming coming to Peacock, The Bone Collector, The Cabin in the Woods, Dawn of the Dead 2004, The Descent, The Descent Part 2, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, The Little Strangler, Scream 1996, Scream 2, Twilight, The Twilight Saga New Moon, the Twilight Saga Eclipse, The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2. And lastly, to round out streaming services, new horror coming to Paramount+. Plus. 10 Cloverfield Lane, Fire in the Sky, Jacob's Ladder 1990, The Mechanist, Panic Room, Paranormal Activity 1, 2, 3, The Ghost Dimension and The Marked Ones, Red Eye, and Resident Evil. So that's going to round out all of our new horror coming in January, or as of this point, is already available on streaming. And thank you so much to Fangoria for keeping us updated and in the loop of new horror movies in the month of January. And now we're going to move on to our next topic, which is an article that comes to us from Variety, one of the most prolific news magazine outlets there is. And their article on their website, Variety.com, titles as such. Interview with the Vampire AMC series casts Christian Robinson in recurring role. Exclusive. Now, the news on this article broke on January 13th. And let's go ahead and give this article a read. The Interview with the Vampire series at AMC has added Christian Robinson in a recurring role. Variety has learned exclusively. Robinson will appear in the role of Levy, an upstanding Baptist from Louisiana County, country, who has won the heart of Louis, Jacob Anderson's sister, Jacob Anderson, sister Grace, played by Kayleen Coleman. The cast for the adaption of Anne Rice's novel of the same name includes Sam Reed, who will play Lestat, and Bailey Bass as Claudia. Robinson's recent TV credits include BMF and Power Book 3, Raising Kanan at Stars, as well as Tell Me a Story and Brockmire. On the future, on the feature side, he has appeared in films such as The First Purge and the Netflix film Burning Sands. He is repped by APA, Crimson Media Group, and Alexander White Agency. AMC has given Interview with the Vampire an eight-episode order 
with an eye towards a 2022 debut on both AMC and AMC+. Roland Jones will serve as writer, executive producer, and showrunner on the series under his overall deal with AMC Studios. Mark Johnson will executive produce under his overall deal with AMC Studios as well. With Anne Rice and Christopher Rice also executive producing, Alan Taylor will direct the first two episodes and serves as executive producer. Variety exclusively reported in 2020 that AMC had acquired the rights to Anne Rice's book series, The Vampire Chronicles, which includes Interview with the Vampire and The Lives of Mayfair Witches. AMC recently announced that it has ordered a Mayfair Witches series as well. Jones is overseeing the development of multiple shows based on Rice's works. And that's pretty much all the article says in terms of casting for this series that, honestly, I've been hearing about for the last four to five years. Now, understand, I'm actually just kind of caught off guard as you guys are because I didn't know that certain characters had already been cast, such as Sam Reed, who's going to play Lestat. And honestly, I, like I said, didn't know that this was already happening, didn't know that he was already casted. And let's see, um, looking at this guy to eventually play Lestat, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to feel about it. He's not exactly what I would picture when I see Lestat. Um, I, I've always said in my previous, um, in my previous episodes about Interview with the Vampire and such, is that I will always credit Tom Cruise as playing the perfect Lestat in terms of mannerism because Lestat is a, a grown child. He is such a brat. He's absolute. He's he's our anti-hero. He's not supposed to be the hero. He's not quite a villain. He's just like a perfect balance of both with also being a brat and very narcissistic. And that's what I love about him. And I think Tom Cruise played him excellently. Though, in my mind, what I pictured Lestat to look like would not be Tom Cruise. I'm very much in the vein of Stuart Townsend, who played closer to what I pictured Lestat would look like. I personally think he he may not have played the perfect Lestat, but he definitely looked the part. And it was always my intention that if they were, or hopes, was that if they were ever going to cast a perfect Lestat, it would need to be with Tom Cruise's acting and mannerism, but Stuart Townsend's look. Um, and that's not to say that Stuart Townsend did a bad job at playing Lestat. I think he he just wasn't 100% there. I needed him more invested. Um, but if there was ever a character that I would say played a character in an Anne Rice novel perfectly to a T, it was Aaliyah. And who actually had probably the least amount of acting experience out of everybody involved. Not only did she play the perfect Akasha, looks, mannerism, feeling, this, the way this woman looked at you like you were 100% beneath her and you will never, you would be lucky to grace the bottom of her feet. Like, that was my Queen Akasha. And that's not just saying that just because she died. 
before the film before filming of Queen of the Damned was ever done. She's just perfect. She's a hundred percent who I would picture. But even down to uh, Jacob Anderson as Louis and Bailey Bass as Claudia, these are not exactly the faces I expect. And I can understand there's a possibility of them going for blind casting, which I'm not mad at. It's just different, you know, um, especially having having the book. Um, the I don't know if you would call it a comic or a manga, but Interview with the Vampire, Claudia's story. Um, you know, we were always under the impression, especially me who avidly read Interview, Claudia is a five-year-old French girl, blonde. Like, it was always notable that she was blonde with blue eyes. With blue-green eyes, actually. So it's a little confusing that they picked people of color to play what was typically white roles. And I get it. They could be blind casting, which I appreciate because it's more inclusion of people of color. Not to mention, which a lot of people seem to forget, uh, people in France can be either people who are actually French like in nationality, not just we were born there, can be either very white or almost as dark as me. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine from France named Annalise, um, I have no clue where she's off to nowadays, but she was as dark as I was. Like we were, we had the same complexion. So it's not, un, it's not out of the question to picture... Um, to picture characters being played, you know, of color. And going over Bailey Bass, who is destined to play Claudia, she is a girl of color. And I think she looks beautiful. She has the same, um, the same uh, kinky curls as Claudia has when she was portray- portrayed by Kirsten Dunst in Interview, which I absolutely love. So maybe we're on to something here. Um, as far as we know, there's no official hard slated date for the AMC Vampire Chronicles series. Um, I also hope they're going to open it up to other streaming services as yours truly does not have cable and has no interest in getting cable. I am blessed with the fact that I have streaming services that cost all cost accumulatively less than owning cable. So um, I'm hoping that it will come to a streaming service that I that I have, because I have quite a few, and that I'm looking forward to seeing where this series goes when it's slated for any time of a release date in 2022. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into tonight's listener-friendly asked questions. Tonight, I only have two, as I want to keep this episode a little on the shorter side. I feel like I say that a lot lately, and these episodes still end up being roughly an hour. But let's go ahead and get into it. This question comes to us from Soft Black Fay, in which they ask, how do you afford all of the great gothic clothing and accessories you have? Um, thank you for that question. And what I say about a lot of the clothing that I do accumulate, especially from some of these companies that I love so much, like Restyle, Killstar, Blackcraft Cult, uh, Rogue and Wolf. I, there's so many. I, I'm I'm definitely missing a lot of them. But what keeps me able to buy with these companies is joining their mailing list. I know 
when you enter a lot of these gothic clothing websites, it seems a little obnoxious that they're constantly like, oh, sign up with our mailing list. Like if I go to Foxblood or Hot Topic, uh, they're always asking for joining our mailing list. And in truth, as much as you get emails all the time that you don't want, it's incredibly helpful and indicative of making sure that you get the best deals for some of their clothing. Like a lot of the times, like I'm, I'm, I'm going a little corporate, but Hot Topic is a good example. I'm getting emails from them all the time. 20% off this, flash sale, 30% on the website. Or if you buy from them in store, you get hot cash and you can use the hot cash for something. And it's just like, I don't want to use this right now. And then, you know, one day you're bored, you end up scrolling through their website, you find like nine things that you love, and it just happens to be 30% off. So things like that, subscribing to mailing lists for a lot of these websites definitely help because you never know when they're going to have a sale. Aside from like the typical ones like Black Friday sales or Christmas sales, they have good ones throughout the year. And I will 100% vouch for this, and I'm not sponsored by any of these people in any way including these companies that I'm mentioning buying from. But PayPal Payments, Klarna, um, Afterpay, Sezzle, I'm sure I'm missing a few of them. Uh, Yeah, Afterpay, Sezzle, Klarna, Shop, Affirm, and PayPal Payments have absolutely helped in me getting a lot of the things that I want. Because um, typically, when in my mind, if you're going to go buy something from a website, don't buy just like one thing, like a pair of leggings or a t-shirt or shoes. Oh, I'm so addicted to Strange Cult. It's not even funny. But if you're going to buy things from these companies, buy more than one thing. Make sure your payments are over. Make sure that your total is around $100 or so, or so more or less. And use, if if they do use it, use PayPal Payments. Um, Affirm, Apple, um, Apple Afterpay, Sezzle, Klarna, etc. Because they make payment plans. So it breaks it down. You owe X amount every two weeks. So for example, most of them, if you buy $100 worth of something from any website that accepts it, then means you make four payments of $25 instead of paying one giant lump sum of 100 This has also helped me with not only... Uh, my clothing brands that I buy from, but like Strange Cult and Killstar, but it also helps me even with um, other things that I like, like my makeup, especially I'm a big supporter for Black Moon Cosmetics. Or in some cases, it even helps with Disney stuff. Like I recently had bought the limited edition 17-inch Kita doll from Atlantis, the collector's edition one. She was like $135 and I used... PayPal payments to buy her. So now I'm paying roughly $30 a month or $30 every two weeks for her until she's paid off. So it's things like that that have definitely helped me purchase a lot of the great things that I own today is joining the mailing list and using these uh, payment plan apps that'll absolutely help you get your collection to top speed. And almost every single shop I shop at Every single small business even that I go to accepts at least one of them. So that's it, Soft Black Fay. I hope that answers your question there. And happy hunting, happy shopping. Definitely uh, look at some of the companies I shop from because they're fantastic. 
And my last question comes anonymously. And they ask... This one I, I question. I was curious if I was going to answer this one on air. But you know what? It's fine. Fuck it. They ask me, do you ever get asked any more political questions or questions you refuse to answer on the podcast? Of course. Absolutely. Um, I'm never going to... Ad- I don't want to address them too much, but I do still get the occasional question of, oh, you voted for Joe Biden. Did you see now what a piece of shit the president you voted for? You know, you're a libtard. You know, all these stupid, shitty little names that I don't really give a fuck about because you can't shake me. But yeah, I do get asked these questions from time to time, which obviously when I make an episode of my podcast, I do screen all my questions and choose which ones I want to pick. So yeah, I do read them beforehand and, and whatnot. But it doesn't mean that, you know, like, I don't see, like, don't, I don't pretend like I don't see the mean spirited or annoying questions that I don't want to be asked. Like, especially politics, because I want to keep my podcast incredibly friendly. But in the in a quick response to everybody asking me political questions I don't give two fucks about. Yes, I did vote for for Joe Biden in the 2020 election. I and I I said this in a previous episode and I'll continue to say it. I didn't vote for him happily. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a Trump supporter by any means cuz I don't support transphobia, homophobia, xenophobia, racism, bigotry. And you know, the siege on the Capitol, fucking smart move Trump. But no, I don't support Donald Trump in any way shape or form. But that doesn't mean I'm 100% pro-Biden, because I don't think Biden's doing a great job. Um, And I never voted for him happily in the first place. I just did it because I didn't want to see Trump in office for another term, because I'm tired of being called N-words by his supporters. And it happened quite a bit between 2016 and 2020. So not only that, I saw the damage that and fear that it put into my friends of the LGBTQ community and I I couldn't live with that for another four years of watching them suffer. It's horrible. I have way too many friends that are in same-sex relationships. Uh, two of them are trying to get married and I want them to get married. I want them to have the happiest life possible and having Trump in office for another four years could absolutely hurt their potential to be married happily, safely. And I didn't want that. So... You know, it was a decision to protect a lot of my friends. And it was a decision I would happily make all over again. No questions asked. But, mm, yeah, I'm, you know, look at the state of the country right now. If you, uh, For all my American listeners, you know, look at the state of the country right now and say that Biden's doing a good job. You can't because he's not. But do I still think he's handling it better than Trump? Oh, absolutely. We'd be up Shit's Creek. We'd be far worse in in Trump's hands. So we're we're here. And I'll always say that, you know, for the even the 2016 election and 2020, I didn't happily vote for Hillary. I didn't happily vote for Biden. But they were the lesser of two evils, and I will stick by that decision. I'll die on that hill. So, but there's other mean-spirited ones I get where it, it's about something. It's like, "Oh, you know, I I've, I've watched your your um, TikToks or your Instagram. I've seen what you really look like and you're not that pretty. Like all these dumb, hurtful things. And I'm like, you know what? You're entitled to your opinion. It doesn't make you right. So it doesn't mean shit to me. 
it, you know, I will always get anybody, anybody who has the potential to go out on social media and speak their truths. You're always going to have haters. You're never going to 100% appease anyone. There's always going to be someone that's just going to hate you because they're fucking sad about their own life, that their life is so miserable that they have to bring you down. And in truth, I just kick that shit to the curb. If you're not here to build me and, you know, be caring and supportive to the people who make content, then what the fuck does your opinion matter? So, yes, Anonymous, that basically answers your question is yes, I do from time to time get negative or irritating questions that people want to answer or just comments that are just unnecessary. But that's just the internet, dude. It's one thing when you know the person who's making those comments at you, which I've been there. And then some, because I've even had an old friend make transphobic and racist remarks to me on a website that's still up today. Hmm. But, you know, it is what it is, you know. You're never going to appease anybody, and anybody who bullies you is legit just a very, very sad person who they can get their shit together, so they got to bring you down. Fuck them. Ignore them. They're not worth your time. They'll keep complaining and bitching, and if you're me, you just keep it, you keep account of that because, you know, karma is a very funny thing. And with that being said, guys, that's going to end tonight's section of Listener Friendly Asked Questions. I do apologize if I did not get to your question tonight, but feel free to send me a DM either through TikTok or Instagram if you have a question that you would like featured in a future episode. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. And yet again, I apologize for this one being a full 24 hours late as, like I said, I absolutely wanted to review Scream 2022 also known as Scream 5, for this episode of the podcast. So I do apologize on how late that one is. But thank you guys so much for your patience. You guys have all been incredibly chill and incredibly cool about this. And that just makes it a lot easier for me to continue to create the content that I do. So whether you live in the same city, state, country, or if you're halfway across the globe to me, I thank you because your listenership does keep my podcast going. Your input, your comments, your questions, hell, even your complaints have kept my podcast going so well. So thank you so, so much. I also apologize that this episode had a lot of background noise with ambulances going by and dogs barking because it's been a weird day. It's raining, actually. Um, It's been raining almost all day and all night when the forecast never said that we were going to have any kind of moisture in the air whatsoever. But hey, man, L.A. is always exciting like that. So as always, you can find me on any of my social media. My Twitter is MoonchildNil. My TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are Morningstar Moonchild. You can go ahead and check them out. Give them a like or a subscribe, a follow, or even a share if you really like any of the content that I do. I know it's sparse and not always accurate, but I'm glad to continue to create it and make it enjoyable for you all. Now, the next episode of the podcast will be released on time, as far as I know, in the next two weeks. So next week, Saturday, um, January 22nd, there will not be an episode as now for season four and probably ongoing from here on out. My podcast will be every two weeks. So expect a new episode on Saturday, January 29th, in 
We will continue to talk about your favorites. I will also try to get a guest to come on because I know I haven't done that in a little bit to have a guest just come on and talk horror movies with me because that's honestly some of the best stuff. But as always, guys, just do your best to go out there, spread kindness. It costs nothing. Try not to stalk Jason Momoa too much as he is going through his divorce. I mean, he is a gorgeous man, but let him grieve before you go Momoa hunting. Spread kindness. It costs nothing. Stay incredibly safe out there and blessed be.